Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Henderson, and I would like to welcome you to the Fourth Branch Podcast. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome you into the conversations that matter to all of us. Here at the Fourth Branch, we believe strongly that the only way to actually solve a problem or find a solution to an issue is through candid and open conversation that allows for the freedom to ask questions and the freedom to give candid answers. Honest answers that speak not just to the surface of the issue, but also delve deeply into the root causes. At the fourth branch, we encourage you to attempt to leave your political party lines and deeply rooted automatic conclusions at the door. We encourage you to simply look at the world around you using your own mind and your own experiences and observe with a new set of eyes. A set of eyes that allows you to get beyond the thick layers of propaganda and spin that permeate every waking moment of our days and nights. When we discuss a topic, we would like to hear what you think about it. How does it affect you? How does it affect your family? How does it affect your friends, your neighbors? At the fourth branch, we want you to tell us what you see. Whether everyone knows this yet or not, we are all in this together. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fourth Branch Podcast. My name is Atala Osama. I am here with uh, my co-host, Brian Henderson, as always. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. No complaints. Great, man. So we're going to uh, get uh, talk a little bit about... Uh, I, I don't know how to frame it. I guess it depends on what side of the argument you are, you're on gun rights and or gun control. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, a I am an avowed gun enthusiast. You know, I'm, I spent time in the military and, um, I, I love gun ownership and, and, and gun usage. Um, I, I think that, really comes from, you know, the training that I had and the experiences that I had. Um, so I, I, I sympathize with anyone who is adamant about being able to um, protect that right. Um, but, uh, you know, given the many, many incidents, uh, gun-related incidents that we have uh, experienced, um, it's understandable that there's consternation from the other side. So I, I thought, um, you know, we, we could take a little time and unpack that a little bit, man. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's quite a controversial uh, topic and it is controversial because it's one of those things in life where one mistake, you know, or one person that is not thinking clearly you know, the, the result is death or maiming, you know, in, in many things, if you make a mistake, you don't have that as the end result. And, you know, of course, death is, you know, that's it. It's final, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, it's a matter of a consideration that I've used in my life when making decisions, there is something that is right you know, when everybody says, you know, it's the right thing to do. And then there is more right. And that's when it comes down to the numbers. That's when it comes down to let's look at this analytically and see 
what are the benefits versus the potential negatives. And, you know, when I look at it that way, I am pro uh, the right to bear arms. <laughs> That's the oh, okay. that I fall, I fall on. I would okay. not call myself a gun enthusiast. But uh, that that's probably, uh, you know, that's probably going to make this a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I you know, it's, it's, I, I am like most people, you know, I am colored by the experiences that I've had in life. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're a couple of city guys, right? So um, my initial, um, I don't know how much experience you experiences you've you've you have with with weapons, but um, you know I remember being a kid and getting to fire weapons with my uncle and my stepdad on New Year's Eve, you know, and um, it was I, I don't think there was anything abnormal about it, and and it was impressed upon my brothers and I about being responsible, about taking this seriously. And yes, it's fun, um, but we were given a real good sense of this is not for play and you have to be serious when you handle it. And we did, we were serious. And, um, you, you know, when I got in the army and I met people who weren't from the city, and gun ownership was an integral part of their lives. These were people who hunted and, um, you know, they grew up with, with, with guns and they're comfortable with guns. I can understand it being a hard sell to someone from who has that cultural reference to try and make the case that it's for the greater good that we just diminish the capacity for anybody to own. I, 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 I certainly can understand if you feel that way, if you're from the city, seen plenty of examples of people with guns who shouldn't have them <laughs> and, 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 and the, in the destructive power that they can bring to bear. Um, but I, I also sympathize with, uh, you know, someone who may be from, they, they have a different cultural reference and um, they see this as a, a direct violation of a constitutional right. And I, I, I sympathize with that a great deal. It's, it's a difficult topic for me because on the one hand, um, I'm tired of hearing about school shootings, workplace violence. Um, I just, uh, I just had to go through the run, hide fight, uh, training at work, um, which is insane. I, I can, I, I, I remember when that became prevalent and I remember a time when employees weren't being trained on what to do in case there was, a, a, a workplace violent event. Um, so I understand the, the concern there. I just, I don't know if um, taking away guns is going to get us to where I think collectively we all, we all want to be. Yeah, it's, it always comes down to, um, you know, you have to have sympathy when you think about it. If you don't, then what's going on inside you? 
you know, but it's like, it, it comes down to that, that decision when the grieving mother or father is standing there and their child was taken from them at whatever age. And we've, we've seen it all from we've seen it all five we've years old to, to 36 years old. It was still their child, no matter what age taken away from them because someone had a gun and was not using it even remotely for the purpose that, you know, for the reason we have the right to bear an, uh, 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 arms. And at that moment, and this is where I bring the, you know, I call it numbers, but really it's more just, you know, something that people would just say, okay, it's a, it's an executive decision. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is not going to come out wonderfully. Is the threat of taking away the right to own a firearm or firearms is the, is, is the potential danger of removing that right um, big enough that you have to be able to withstand um, some idiots, quite frankly, every now and then taking somebody out when they really shouldn't. Is, is, that, believe, is that the trade-off? I believe, you know, it's, it's one way of looking at it. And I believe the answer to that question, as, as sad as it is, is a commentary on the, the human condition and us socially that yes, the framers of the constitution might not have been perfect people, but they nailed one thing completely. If you do not have a couple of levers to pull, to stop people who have authority over you from becoming authoritarian, right? they're going to do it. And it's kind of like, it's two horrible circumstances, you know, and, and, and there is no real win in it. Um, because we should be better. And I use that word loosely should, you know, we maybe could be better as human beings than to have circumstances where people feel the need to go out and shoot uh, in a school, you know, or in a playground or in, or in a movie Hell, theater. A, or a, a grocery store, grocery synagogue, store. church, exactly. uh, Walmart, we had, we had concert. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere, right, yeah. We haven't reached that point as humanity, and there's a lot of things that we can do. Are guns the problem? So let me reframe it and ask you a question, right? So I, I like, no, and I think that's great because that's kind of where I am. Is is that the problem? Is that the problem? Exactly. It's like if this is the question I would have for you because I put some thought into it, but I, I, want, I want to know what your thoughts are. It's like when you've asked the five whys, right? You're trying to get to the Mm -hmm. root cause of something so that you can solve a problem. Where do you go? What is the path of your thinking when you ask five? So so, so somebody says to you, guns are, you know, gun school shootings have to stop. Okay. How do you think about that from that? So, so the first thing that I do is I, the first thing that I do is I don't buy into the narrative that this is a collective event. Each one of these are individual cases, and I think it's important to treat them individually. Uh, if you try to if you if you try to start to generalize 
there's a gun epidemic in America, that's non-productive to me. So that's the first thing. So the, the first thing I, I would say is, okay, we have to look at each and every one separately. And, and I can give a, a couple, a couple examples. So Columbine, the, the, the granddaddy of them all, right? I mean, the Columbine is what, unfortunately, I think really popularized. Um, and, and maybe it's just because of it's, it was the one, the first one, big one in our generation, but, uh, Columbine, here you have what has become the classic school shooter, right? Disaffected, isolated young men with easy access to firearms and a thirst for vengeance against perceived slights. And that's one model that you can look at. And then you can take that model. Now I can apply my 5Y methodology to that model. You know, what is it about those young men in that that fit that mold right we can look at that if you take another school shooting so for example i want to say it was uh the one in michigan uh they just they just uh, sentenced that young man to life he was 15 at the time his parents mm-hmm. bought them the gun they they charged the parents um with uh manslaughter wow. i think i have that right they charged the parents with manslaughter the wow. The day of the shooting, when when the news broke of the shooting, the mom was texting her son in a panic. Please tell me this is not you, because they had concerns about his behaviors ahead of time. Still bought him the gun, didn't manage it properly, and I, I can't remember what the outcome of their cases were, but he was just sentenced to to life in prison. Now, wow. And he's 17 now. He was 15 when he committed the crime. He's 17 now. Now, he's not uh, isolated, lone wolf, disaffected. He's a sensationalist that was looking for fame and wanted to be infamous, more or less. So that's a separate case than the other one. Then you might have a, uh, an issue where someone is mentally disturbed. And I don't necessarily mean mentally disturbed in the case that mentally disturbed might not even be the right word. I, I might, I, I mean that, I, I mean to say that there may be some mental or emotional state that is driving the behavior. Maybe they're psychotic. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe, but that's a separate issue that we, you have to unpack and, and, and look at. So, to, to, to answer your original question, overarchingly, should we as a society accept the inherent dangers of having so many guns free in our society? Should we accept those inherent dangers? So to that, I say no. I, 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 do, not think, I do not think that just because guns are prevalent that they we're powerless to prevent tragedies from happening. And I, I, and I, so go ahead. I was just going to say, in what regard, when you say, um, we, so are, are you saying that we should do something to control the number of weapons out there? Who gets them? Not, I, I, not, not necessarily. So, I, I mean, I, you, you know, I, I think, so the first thing I would say is, the very first thing to do is to resolve the question of whether or not guns belong in our society. I think it is a constitutional right. And I think that question should be resolved so that you can move on to gun safety. 
public safety. But we can't get past the argument of whether or not we should even have them. And, uh, you know, you have the left leaning who want to look at uh, other uh, first world countries and the things that they've done to curb violence uh, and and the the path that they've taken with respect to restricting access. And there's an argument to be made there. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not obtuse to that. You know, if you look at what. Um, Australia has done. You can't get a gun in Australia and gun violence is virtually zero. Um, so that is a way to go. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not viable, um, but I believe that uh, it is uniquely American that if you want to own a weapon, you can. I think that is a strength of ours and, and I wouldn't want to diminish it. I think it's interesting. There's, as you um, well noted, there's more than one path of trying to figure out what to do about this. Um, I'll just I'll tag on to the last thing you said, which is the example of Australia. Um, I think recent events showed us. Um, the difference, other differences between Australia and America and the things that make, uh, some of the things that make America the place you want to live. Um, You know, no, it's not perfect. And everybody knows that, but nothing is perfect. But this is where you want to live, not Australia. Um, (laughs) They were able to display... Nothing against Australia. Nothing against Australia. You know, but no, you want to live here. I think it's, it's the, you know, the people in Australia that, that may hear this, you know, will understand that I'm speaking to the people and saying, I sympathize. Sure. I look down upon, I sympathize with the plight, with the, the conditions where, it was pretty much turned into a fascist type of totalitarian uh, thing there. And a lot of people suffered. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to draw the straight line of, well, if more people had guns, it wouldn't have happened that way. Cause that's a very non straight line. Right. But it's, it's the mentality. It's the, I don't even want to say the mentality cause that almost sounds like I'm insulting <laughs> <laughs> on an intellectual level, uh, it is the culture. It's the culture that says, you know what? We have a right to be angry and violently angry if you threaten my freedom. Right. And the fact that the guns do exist make it very hard for people to knock on doors and demand to pull family members out and take them to a place where they're not seen for months, you know, uh, cause a lot of people, you know, are not going to go for that. And somebody will get shot. You know, when you try to drag the little girl out of the house and the dad right. is there going, Hey, excuse me. Right. What? Right. Somebody at school said she sneezed. <laughs> right. I don't think so. You know, go ahead and, you know, and I'll sound like a crazy American for everyone who's listening, you know, Come on and try it. Right. <laughs> right. And, and That's the, the, the Charleston Heston line that uh, from right, my cold yeah. from my so cold my dead cold fingers. Dead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's, yeah. 
it, it sounds, it can be used in, in a parody and in memes and things like that. But there is something to the old saying is sometimes it is better to be feared than love. And that is what our uh, framers of the Constitution knew. I'm not saying who, who they who they were or that they had the greatest intentions for everyone, but they had the best intentions for themselves. So they framed it that way. So that, and I'll give my humble opinion on that historically, each one of them knew the other one and knew, hey, if I don't protect my state, if I don't have these rights in my, you might come and try to take my state. <laughs> so I want my people to be able right. to form up. Right. You know, but whatever the, the reason, the psychology is the same. And when you have a leadership that wants, you know, maybe more, maybe more control than they should have, the people have to be able to stand against that, which says, again, to me, it's horrible that we have the circumstances that we have young people who get access to guns uh, and do horrible things with them. And, I, and I'll, I'll ask this question to you. On, on that note, I'll take it back to one of the avenues that you mentioned, which is the um, psychological um, or, or psycho, psycho-emotional path yeah. to ruin. And it is a lot of discussion has been had about the incidence of gun violence from teenagers and, and young people being directly proportional to the increase in the pharmaceutical drugging of our young people. Ooh, slippery slope. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> it is hard to ignore the correlation. Um, now, because, because it is illegal to study gun violence, it's, it's illegal to even study it. Right? This is how effective the gun lobby has been you can't study you cannot study it so so and 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 before i finish this i want to circle back to the point that you were making earlier uh well let me finish that statement so you can't study it so there's there's no empirical evidence to say whether or not there's a correlation between the two but anecdotally it sure looks like there there might be a case there and, and until the laws change we we won't really know until we're we're able to study um what you had asked earlier, and I, and I kind of want to want to circle back to that a little bit, because the the gun restriction avenue has its merits, but the gun responsibility avenue has its merits as well, and that side of the argument, um, which is the side of the argument that that I'm on, just like we have, uh, I, I mean, you can take any product. Uh, a car, right? So a car has very, very bad destructive potential, but we regulate that, right? We restrict ownership. We make sure that the owner of a car is meets certain criteria. We require regular registration. And then um, if you violate those, we have consequences in place. And societally, we expect drivers to be licensed and insured. That, that has been ingrained into, into us. That is an expectation that we hold of each other. 
the pharmaceutical um the the drugs right there was a time when you could go get cocaine from the local drug merchant in the next to the general store right, right. over time we have learned that not all drugs should be rather uh, available to the public without access and control not that i'm an advocate of controlling uh weapons but I do believe that there is an avenue that we can pursue once we get past the discussion about whether or not we should even have them. Once we stop having that discussion and we start saying, okay, guns are here. Now, how do we want to manage this as a society? My hope is that that would lead us towards more productive conversations rather than hashing out. um, Should we repeal the second amendment or not? Because I don't, I don't find that conversation fruitful. It's it's in, it's a part of our society now, and I think we should accept that, and then we can start looking at solutions once once we get there. So, I think that's I think that's a pretty good way. If I understand what you what you're saying, it's don't don't stop talking about you know whether we need whether we should have them or not, whether they're needed. Start talking about the causes. One of those causes being maybe the influence of certain exactly pharmaceuticals. Maybe at that to you know let's chop away at that particular failure mode, and maybe there maybe there are certain maybe there are certain pharmaceutical types that should be that should possibly restrict uh, the access to firearms or alert the parents to the concept that you need to be triple vigilant. Wouldn't it be something your guns are? If there, if if a study was done and it established a correlation between Ritalin and violence, gun violence specifically, um, and I, I mean, this that's conjecture. I who who knows, right. but um, yeah, I, I that I, I I would like to see when in the forties and the fifties, vehicle fatality rates were through the roof. Right. And it got fixed because we were able to study the problem. We were able to mandate to car manufacturers, you must have fenders on your cars and they must have a certain thickness. We should have taken away cars. Right. Right. (laughs) You you must have you must have seatbelts. Right. Your windshields have to be at a certain angle to prevent glare. All, All of the things that were done to determine what was going into these fatality rates and the fatality rates are nothing like they were 60, 70 years ago. I firmly believe we could do the same thing with guns, but we wouldn't have gotten there if the discussion had been, we just need to go back to horses. These things are not safe. A horse has never killed a bunch of people like this. Horses don't belong in a part of our society. And until we're able to get past this preliminary uh, discussion that's been ongoing for the majority of my lifetime about whether or not we even want guns as a part of our society, nothing wrong with what these other countries have done. And, you know, if that's what's working for them, that's fine. I don't think that's a viable solution for us. I think we need to move past that and start talking about, okay, now that we've decided that we're going to have this as a part of our society, 
how can we be responsible in, in managing it? And that's that that's that would be my argument if uh, um, you know if we were going to try to find a solution. And I think that I agree with that completely. It you know it goes to the one of the arguments again that's almost as popular as the Charlton Heston quote, and that is guns don't kill people. People right. with guns kill people. Right. You know, and so let's figure out what it is that is allowing this or contributing to increasing the likelihood that a person is going to use a gun to kill somebody uh, where it is not self-defense. You know, um, I do think that is a, a very good way of looking at it. And I think that we're not going to get there very soon because there are people who are very much. I believe for what one reason or another in the camp that, Oh, we just need, if you just get rid of guns, then, you know, take them out of the people's hands, then they can't do it. And there's your solution. And those people are very powerful lobby. And if, if you can't do something to quell that lobby, you know, and make them sit down at the table, uh, then that I'm afraid the conversation you're talking about just won't happen. And, and I and I think they're well intended. I, I understand. My my wife is one of them. I, you know, I every time there's something else on TV, and the first thing she says is, "Why do we need guns?" And that's a that's a valid question. That is a valid question, right? Re- regardless of whatever this person's issue is, they would not have been able to do the terrible thing that they did if they didn't have access to the tool that they needed to do it. And that is where I say false (laughs) because there are so many circumstances. Murder happens around the world in places where there are no guns. Um, How quickly, you know, we forget about in one of the most, pacifist type societies you can think of i think it was in japan the teacher that used a knife to kill a student or two Uh, right you know now now you're talking this wasn't a student that came in that had any of the issues that we were talking you you outlined earlier this is a, a teacher that consciously decided um you know, maybe also some mental things going on there um, that he was going to wreak havoc at that school. Some yeah. kid made him angry enough and he, you know, he didn't need a gun to get the job done. I think people have this false impression that because a gun seems to do it so quickly that other weapons can't do it equally as quickly. And, you know, and I understand the argument of, okay, if you have a semi-automatic weapon, every time you pull the trigger, something deadly comes out the end, you just point it, point it, you could probably take out more people than you can with a a butcher knife. Or or a musket. Or a musket. (laughs) (laughs) Which, and and it's true, that is a true observation. I I would agree with that. You know, the the slow speed school shooting with a musket, right? I I mean, I don't want to make this, I should. (laughs) Wouldn't make light of it, but right, right. I I get your point. Um, okay, maturity returned. Um, it's just, there are so many other ways. I mean, people will resort to poisonings. You take away the gun, 
and they'll find a way into the cafeteria and poison the soup for the entire staff or the entire student body. I mean, what now are we going to outlaw chemistry class? Right. You know, um, right. Like what, where do you begin to say that there are conditions in our lives collectively that lend themselves to people reaching these, I'll call it breaking points. And until we deal with whatever it is that puts people and and then even then you're never going to get rid of it completely. Well, that, that I think is an excellent, excellent point. That's the common thread. It's not that it's not that the, the weapon is available for use. It's that we have a number of people who are willing to use them. Why is that? Restricting gun access may be expedient um, and in a short term, ultimately, I would argue that that's American. And I think it would be better for us to do the work to say, okay, listen, what's going on with these young people or what's going on in our, in our corporate society that, you know, we're having to train our workforce, how to survive uh, a workplace violent event. What, what's, what's going on where, you know, we're having to have serious conversations about armed guards at grocery stores and churches and movie theaters and, and, and public events. What, what's going on that the threat is there? Never mind their weapon. Let's deal with what the what the threat is. What is driving this behavior? I, I, I couldn't agree with that. Couldn't agree with them more. I think that's an excellent point. It's one of those things that begs the question, right? It's like, well, okay, what's the answer? Take away one type of weapon. Why do you want to take away one type of weapon entirely? Because there will always there will always be someone crazy who wants to kill some people and do some things like that. Well, again, now you've got to catch twenty two. Because if there's always going to be people who want to kill somebody and cause harm, they're going to find other ways. So and somebody truly, needs somebody needs to be able to stop them. So right. And, and and if you if you truly want to stop these things from happening or get them down to as low a rate as possible, because I think that's all you can do. I mean, we are humanity after all. Um, you're not going to eliminate every case. That's actually a dystopian future in my vision. If you do have that, something else is majorly wrong. Uh, you, you know, to the point where it's maybe it's just not being reported. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> you're, you're talking fundamentally non-human at that point. So it's it's not about getting rid of one weapon because next we'll be getting rid of others. You know, kitchen knives will be down to nothing but <laughs> butter knives. Right. By the time we finish getting rid of weapons that kids can't take to school harm another kid. Um, you know, household cleaners, you know, we'll have to have the little baby zip things on everything. And, you know, that's not going to stop a teenager. I mean, it, you know, if you go down that rabbit hole, sure. it's just going to go so far. And the end goal that they're purporting to want. No, I'm sorry. I won't misrepresent the end goal that I genuinely believe people want, which is to stop the violence. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get it by taking away one type of weapon. And when that type of weapon happens to be the type of weapon that can 
when in the hands of the people can prevent a much, much worse scenario for our lives daily. And all people have to look at is, you know, an oft-cited period and place in history. Yeah. You know, uh, Germany during yep. World War Two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it'd be a lot yeah. harder for that to happen here in America, you know. And then I'll ask you another. Let's let's go one. Let's take this a little further, right? Okay. Um, what do you think about the variation and type of firearms that Americans should be allowed to have in their possession and own? So let's assume for a moment that the the, the debate about whether or not we should have guns in our society is decided. Let's assume for a moment that resolved gun ownership is a a fundamental American right, and we don't want to take that away. Now we can start to get into these nuanced arguments that, like you just brought up, right? Does that fundamental American right include a military-grade weapon? Does that fundamental fundamental American right include... Uh, like owning a gun is one thing, but do the bullets have to be lethal, right? Why can't there be a public non-lethal bullet that you can sell to the public and restrict access to lethal ammunition? Maybe that's a solution. And I'm not, I'm not a, a, a NRA member or anything, but I understand why the NRA pushes against even allowing for the study of what the of what the causes of gun violence are because the fear is all whatever the findings of that study is going to be all that's going to be used for is to justify a repeal of the second amendment and as long as that is on the table how are we going to get to anything productive there there could be all kinds of solutions all i mean this is this is we are a our democracy and our society has produced fantastic solutions to centuries old problems that other countries around the world have yet to solve. I don't think it's beyond us to find a solution to this one once we decide that that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, it's, that could be possible. I mean, there, there, there could be an, an argument for that be, because I'm because I'm trained. I was trained with it. My favorite weapon is the M16A2. I love that gun. I, I can take it apart and put it back together with my eyes closed because I've done it so much as a civilian. Do I have a need for it? I, I don't. I, I don't. Right. It's, it's not a, a weapon for hunting or, you know, it's 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 it's, it's 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 it is it is a weapon of war. That's what it is intended right. for. Like just like the M two hundred six grenade launcher or the saw or the I mean the, the, these were and I loved I loved firing those things, but those were weapons of war. Do I need one this weekend for our camping trip? I, I so so there's a discussion there, right? There, there, there's a discussion there. Um, and and that's what that's what I would say. I mean, I'm not I'm not 
I'm trying to be even. I'm trying not to allow my own bias. Me personally, yes. If I could, if I could get my hands on the gun that I owned and used for years and years, I would love to because I know it. I'm comfortable with it. But if you let me have it, that means you got to let everybody have it. And is it the same weapon to someone who does not have the same training, discipline, and respect for the weapon that I do? Is it the same at that point? I think that's a great question. But we got to get to the point to where we're asking the questions. So, You know, that brings up a very good question. In keeping with this, the what I understand as the spirit of the Constitution, people like you, literally, who were trained with, understand the responsibility of having these types of weapons, know exactly how to use it, how to store it, how to clean it, how to maintain it. When you said, if I have it, then everyone should be able to have it. When it comes to that level, in keeping with the Constitution, could that not be one of the questions on the table? Why shouldn't a trained veteran, why should a trained veteran not have the right? Shouldn't that be exactly who you would allow to have access to that type of a weapon? Now, I'm not going there with the grenade launcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> so where, but, where, where does that stop, though, right? Because right. I was trained on a lot of different weapons, but I don't have a use for any of them in my, in my life now. Uh, and you know. we hope you never do, right? Right. And that, that no, is, no, no, that no, no, is... no. It, it, so if I have a need for it, that means that there's been a breakdown in society because precisely there's a military that's supposed to be dealing with those types of issues. If we're ever in a situation where I got to get back and forth from the store with a grenade launcher, we got bigger problems than school shootings. I think what, I, what I'm referring to is, you know, very, um, I guess, very traditional interpretation, right, of, of mm. the Constitution. The right to form a well-armed militia, right? And that well-armed militia was for the, the point where it's not that there's a breakdown in society. Society's fine. But the leadership of that society has lost its mind. Wouldn't it be convenient and in keeping with the spirit of the Constitution in that way, if every veteran who took an oath and swore to uphold the Constitution owned a, a, a sufficiently intimidating weapon so that 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 leadership has to think twice, you know, that that military, that current military uh, uh uh, enlistee has to think, well, you know, oh man, when I roll down this street and I start trying to yank people out, there are people in here who really might. I'm going to tell you what, man, I'm going to tell you what I've lived in two, two places, um, in my life that I'm, that I'm going to compare and contrast. So Texas is one and Colorado is another. Now Colorado has very aggressive drivers, despite the fact that Texas has larger cities and arguably, arguably more people, they're nowhere near as aggressive in their driving in Texas as they are in Colorado. 
And my theory is the reason for that is because in Texas, everybody has a gun. Everybody has a gun. You don't have road rage issues in Texas. So I think there is, and that's anecdotal, but I think maybe there is an argument to be made that you can drive societal behavior when uh, when there is responsible gun ownership that is proliferated through throughout society. So possibly, I, I mean, you know, if I, like I said, if a law was passed and I was able to get my hands on the gun that I used to own when I was active duty, I'd buy it in a heartbeat. But there's those, those who really feel that no civilian should ever be in possession of anything with that kind of destructive power. And I, and I can understand that much, much like we don't, you know, we, we control dangerous weapon. I mean, dangerous chemicals, you know, we restrict access to, uh, all kinds of, all kinds of things. Why not restrict access to dangerous weaponry, you know, beyond a certain threshold. I think that's a discussion that can be. Had. Yeah. It, uh, it's a very, very involved topic. I mean, I think what you said is, is, is perfection, right? First, let's agree whether or not we need them, whether they, we, we should be allowed to have them in the first place. Let's get it off the table that we're going to just take all guns away from the people. Cause number one, that's not going to work in the first place. It's not. Criminals don't care what's <laughs> it's, legal. It's, right. That, that's the first thing that people have to understand. How long that process would take with the number of weapons already in circulation. And our country isn't the only one with the weapons. So when criminals want those weapons, they can get them just about any time, any place they want. Right. The organized crime people will just have a field day. You know, I, I we have the ability and the technology. I don't think there are, are any less cell phones in America than there are guns. But we know where every cell phone is at any point in time. I think that if we if it came down to it, if we needed to, right, um, we can find solutions to be able to to manage those those things the, the currently how we're set up right now and you, you know it's so easy to get a weapon and it's it's um, you got the one side of the camp that's trying to do anything and everything that they can to have some type of parameters and then you got the other side that's trying to prevent any kind of parameters at all because they think that once you give an inch it's where that's the first step on our way to tyranny. And, uh, um, I, 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 but you know, I, I, I think, I, I think, and, and I have a question for you actually, cause you're, you know, if you were told that you were as a you know, lifelong civilian, if we went the other way with it and you were told, you were told that you had to, have a gun. You had to carry a gun. Would you feel like that was an imposition on you or would you like, okay, you know, that, that that's fine. I think absolutely it would be an imposition to ask anyone to possess a firearm. If they did not want it, were not comfortable with it. 
because it is a responsibility. Mm. And, you know, I feel like there are certain responsibilities you can mandate for people. That's just part of how civilized society goes. You know, you are responsible for doing your, if you're going to drive your car, you know, you've accepted responsibility, you know, try to stay on your side of that line so you don't kill everybody else <laughs> on the other side, right? Right. But now you have a, you know, it's an in-kind exchange, right? I would like the convenience of not having to walk to Publix, but, you know, at the same time, I have to accept the responsibility not to, to try not to kill anybody on my way there because I'm driving a missile, you know. A, 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 you know. Right. right. So it would not, I think, be, it would, it would be an imposition to have someone have to own a firearm. If, if, if I think, I don't think that's without precedent. Um, I think that's mm. happened or is actually maybe in place in some country. I, I remember reading or, or hearing something <laughs> about that type of thing. Uh, but if that were going to be the case, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I can't see the wisdom in it because anyone who doesn't want one, doesn't need one, you know, doesn't want, they're not going to probably be much help <laughs> with it for whatever purpose you gave it to them. Uh, they're probably not even going to be able to help themselves in a break-in with it. Like they're just going to. Because they're so, because they're so averse. Right. So it sounds like the solution is going to be more towards the center, right? An extreme, either extreme doesn't appear to be palatable. And I, I, it's finding some medium that um, may be the best path forward. And I think kind of um, like you said, the, the tracking aspect, you know, I wouldn't be very, I wouldn't be really against that. I mean, because if you are a concealed carry uh, license holder, which, you know, I am, then you've already given every piece of information about yourself you possibly can to the federal government. You do carry a cell phone most likely. So what's the difference? Right. They, you know, if somebody <laughs> wants to know exactly where you are and that you have a gun, well, they know that already. So if you did have something you could put in the gun, right, that it's a step, right? You know, going back P- to everything, potentially. Said, it's a yeah. step because, some, you know, for every fuzz buster, there's right. a fuzz buster buster, right? right? So criminals are going to find a way to disable that thing, you know, and then and then enable it after the, the, the fact is done. And, you know. <laughs> but it's yeah. a step, you know, it's, it's something where it could be an app on the parent's cell phone. Where if that thing starts beeping, that means that gun left the house. And if you don't have it, then who has it? Or it could be that a weapon was fired, right? Yeah. It fires, that pings. The police know the we- a weapon was fired at this location. They know who owns that weapon. And if there's a crime reported there, we already, I mean, that, you know, and, and, and we're just spitballing ideas here. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I lament you know, it scares me having, you know, school age kids at the time in a time where you never really know what's going on at the schools. And, you know, these kids are having to do drills. The most that we, I did was a tornado drill. I remember doing the tornado drills in the hallway and, and we had fire drills, which was my favorite because we got to go outside. <laughs> but now, you know. They're trying to teach these kids how to survive a school shooting as though it is just an immutable fact like the weather and there's nothing to be done about it. And I just I that's what I, I rail against. That's the approach that I don't like. I know I know we're running short on time, um, but, yeah, I, I 
I appreciate uh, you taking the time to ha- have this discussion with me. I think um, um, this is one that, you know, we, it could go on and on and on. Um, right. Right. I, I, I'll, I'll just close out with if we're going to really get serious about improving, because I do think it is a problem. I do think it does. Something needs to be done. Um, but I think that first step is let's get away from this divisive discussion about the second amendment. Let's resolve the even, and, and, and I just want to say this quickly, the way the second amendment is worded, I would even, I would, I would take out, I would, I would advocate for a new amendment that takes out the militia requirement because we have not, it hasn't been practical in our society for several generations, right? We're, we're, we don't really, that's not the, the, that's not the overarching reason why most people own guns. Most people own guns in our society because of it's, it's family tradition at this point. Right. And if, and if, if we ever got to the point to where we felt there was zero chance of falling under the thumb of a tyrannical government, I don't think that would negate the need for a second amendment because it's not about that. It's about I'm an American and I should have a right to own a weapon if I want to. And I, and I, and I think the language need should be updated to reflect that. I guess on, on this particular topic, the last thing I can say is there's a whole lot of work that needs to be done. I mean, the first step in it is conversation. You know, it, the conversation is not happening. It's an no. argument. You know, it, it right. literally is a, this side and that side of an argument. And it's very emotionally loaded, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only, you know, I guess the only thing that I would say slightly different than, than what you mentioned is, um, okay, I'll go with the third old saying. So there's Charlton Heston and then there's, uh, you know. Guns don't kill people. Guns right. don't kill people, people kill people. And then I will lastly say it is, and the reason the conversation needs to take, to take place and we need to find a middle ground and keep the militia part in there mm-hmm. is because it is, here it comes, it is better to have and not need than it is to need something and not have it. Because where does the, when you remove the militia part, how many of these groups out here that like to form up and practice and do all, how how much prosecution happens there? You know where. where does that I, I, that, that's a good point. Well, so so let let me rephrase the, the the way I understand the reading of the Second Amendment. The militia having a well formed militia is a prerequisite to ownership, and that's the part that I would change. Right. Right. Agreed. That's that that that's what what I was trying to drive to. But I take your point. Yeah, you're 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 right, I mean, and it's it's. I just think it's ingrained in our society, and and I I think we need to we need we need to protect that. All right, man. Uh, I really really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll do this again next week, man. Thank you. Always productive. Always good. Hey everyone, it's Atoll again. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to support us in our mission to foster real dialogue, you can find us on most major social media sites. 
including Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Instagram, X, formerly known as Twitter, Threads, and TikTok. Just search for the Fourth Branch Podcast with the numeric four. Please reach out to us if you have a comment or an idea for the show. We mean it when we say we want to hear from everyone, and we're serious about including you in the conversation. Got a topic that you're passionate about? Hey, let's talk about it. We'd love to get you on the show and allow you to express your views. Once again, thanks for listening. Can't wait to talk to you soon.